1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon the upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape but you are not in darkness brothers for that day to surprise you like a thief apostle paul concerning the return of christ also says the same thing you would not know when that happens because jesus will come back like a thief in the night uh, thank goodness we have never had intruders uh, uh, in the house that we lived in, right? But when thieves come, they come very discreetly. They come without announcing. They come without any warning sign. They will come once they will just appear. And Apostle Paul says, Jesus will appear to us in the same manner. And he says, when he comes, the, the world that we know, the peace and security that we have clung unto, will all of a sudden will be thrown into disarray. And it will be as though the uh, women, sudden the labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. You see, just like the bride has no clue when the bride will come to take us away, Jesus in the same manner will come totally unannounced. He will come when we least expect it. This means... I don't know about you, the, how I interpret that portion of the scriptures is that if I don't know exactly when Jesus is coming, if I do not know the year, the month, or the day, or the time, it is my responsibility as Christ's bride, it is my responsibility to live my life in anticipation that I'm ready, ready when Jesus comes, he's going to take me away, I better be ready. I better be adorned as a beautiful bride. I better have lived in a such way that when I speak and communicate with my groom, that I will be proud and I will be presentable on that day. Jesus says, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Say with me, you never know. You never know. I had a friend years ago. He shared about a, another friend that he had. And he's, uh, this particular friend of his loved grilling so much, loved barbecuing so much. And he loved hosting. He loved entertaining his friends and guests so much that. And, and, and grilling was such an important part of his life that he used to carry a charcoal grill in the trunk of his car wherever he went. Wherever the car went, that grill always stayed in the, uh, in the trunk of his car. So my friend was puzzled, say, hey, why do you do that? And the response, why do you carry a, a barbecue grill? And it's not small, it's not clean. I mean, why do you always have that? And the response that his friend would give him, say, hey, man, hey, bro, you never know. You never know what? Uh, you never know who I'm going to run into. You never know if we're going to throw it down. Right then and there. When I heard that, I was like, man, that's, a, that's gangster. That mean, that's a man who is sure of what he loves. That's a man with purpose. That's a man who's prepared to engage in action. 
And I love that. I will never forget that story. He lived life in a way that he was ready to attend to, which that he considered very important for his life. When we talk about the coming of the Lord, when we talk about the return of Jesus Christ, when we talk about second coming of Jesus, and he says, and he says, I will come like a thief in the night. May we have the response, may we live with an attitude and uh, and disposition where you never know, so I'm always going to be prepared. It's not, I never know when he's coming. No one knows when he's coming, so I'm going to put off until the last minute. No, because I don't know when he's coming, I'm going to be ready right now. May you and I live in the joy of anticipation of coming of Christ rather than fear or being anxious of his return because we are not as prepared. We know very, very well of the story of the ten virgins conveyed in the Gospel of Matthew. Five were ready. Five were not. By the time that the bridegroom came, the five that were not ready, they were busy, they were scrimmaging, uh, they were running around, trying to prepare themselves at the last minute. And the ending of those five uh, brides did not turn out so well. Concerning the day of the Lord, as you and I are called by our Lord Jesus Christ as to be his bride, may we be ready as he's coming like a thief in the night. Amen? Secondly, Apostle Peter conveys to us what will happen to the world that we know. Okay? This is what you should know. This is a knowledge that you should have uh, as we are awaiting for his return. Verse 10. In which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burnt up. Let's see what this means. It means that the world that we know, it means that the world that you see, and it means that the world that we live in right now, the world that we love right now, everything that this world contains will burn away. I talked about this this past Sunday when we met. We talked about in verses 1 through 9 when the judgment comes, unlike the judgments in the past, unlike the judgment that took place in the days of Noah, The second judgment, the next judgment, it will be consumed by fire. When Jesus returns, there will be judgment that takes place upon this earth. And he says, everything that we know of here on this earth will be burnt up with intense heat. And the reason why God will do this, the reason why God will come to us with judging the world is so that he may preserve his nature and to establish his kingdom that echoes his nature and character. Let me make that very plain for you today. Why does God ever judge if he so loves his children? Why does God promise to judge this earth if he has indeed created the earth and the universe. 
And the very, reason, uh, the very uh, important reason, the most uh, important reason why he does that is so that he may preserve his own glory. Don't forget, guys, God is a holy God. God, first and foremost, has to be faithful to who he is before he is faithful to us through his word and through his promises. When God comes, God would judge this world. It's so that when he judges, when he promises that everything that this earth contains will be consumed. And the reason why Peter is reminding us in this regard is because he's conveying to us the temporality of the life that you know of and that I know of. The life that we are so passionately committed to living. Peter reminds us, he says, be careful Be careful, be careful about the life that you're building here on earth. Be careful about the legacy that you only are concerned about in in, in this life. Peter is saying, because everything that you build will be consumed by fire. You know, as I conveyed to you last week, Peter is still addressing the false teachers here. He's trying to dispel the lies where YOLO mentality, you only live once. And Peter is to to kind of drive out that unhealthy mindset, which was already prevalent in the minds and the lives of many Christians. And he says, you know, this whole idea of live for the now, live for yourself, store uh, store up treasures for yourself here on earth, do whatever you want to do. Do what you please. And Peter is, to, uh, Peter is trying to dispel that notion. In fact, he's saying, don't devote yourself to accumulating wealth here on earth. Don't give yourself over to sexual uh, immorality or carelessness. Or he says, don't build monuments for the praise of men because anything that you build here on earth will be one day consumed as Jesus will return. And he says, because it's all going to be burnt up, because it's all going to come to nothing, that seems to be the emphasis that Peter hits. You know, it's crazy how Peter sounds so similar to his teacher, his rabbi, Jesus Christ himself. And I quote again, I'm I'm doing this often, I'm doing this for a purpose, because what Peter is conveying of the picture of the end of the world or the day of the Lord is exactly the same as what Jesus had conveyed during his ministry days. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. And this was quite early in Jesus' ministry, and this was the admonition that he was giving to his listeners. Do not lay up for for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus was committed early on in his teaching. He is conveying the reality of the temporality of this world. He's saying everything that you see here on, here on earth 
Everything that you're committed to is simple, tra- simply transient. It'll all dissipate one day. And he said, now begin to live your life concerning the kingdom of God. Live for the things that will not vanish. Live for the things that will not perish, even when Jesus Christ will return. Live with eternity in your heart. If there's anything that we have learned as we study through the books of First and Second Peter, Peter was most focused on saying, hey, man, be done away with the things of this earth. Be done away with the things that, you, that, 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 that bog you down, the things that wrestle you down. Be committed to the day of the Lord. Be more concerned about eternity that is taking place once Christ returned to us. But that's not all. Peter says that the destroying and the disappearing of the world that we know of right now, that will also usher in the new earth and the new heaven, and we will be occupants, and we will be residents in this new world. Let me read for you verse 13. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Amen. Jesus will usher in a brand new world with those that have been saved, with those that have been rescued from the judgment of God upon the second coming of himself or Jesus. And I've said this earlier, why does God judge the only reason is so that what? So that he may first preserve his nature and character. So that the holiness of God, the righteousness of God may be conveyed and, and proclaimed all throughout the earth and the universe. That is the main purpose of the establishment of the kingdom of God. That is the sole purpose of the judgment of God taking place in the world that we live in. Are you with me? So first, Peter says, man, Jesus is coming like a thief in the night. No one's going to know exactly when that will be. So what's going to happen when Jesus comes back? What, what, what concerns the day of the Lord? You know what it is? The judgment take place, the earth that we know of right now, all the beautiful things, what we consider beautiful and amazing it will one day be consumed. And upon the destroying of all the things that this earth contains, Jesus says, I'm going to establish a new kingdom, new heaven, new earth. I don't know about you guys, but when Jesus says, when he promises something new, I anticipate at the very minimum, very minimum, it would be as good as the best version of the world that we know of right now. And that ought to be exciting for us when Jesus comes. These are also the words of Apostle John in Revelation chapter 21, 1 through 4. He's going to come and establish a new city, establish a new Jerusalem, and his dwelling will be among us and we, as we belong to him. And we are going to see a new heaven, new earth being established by our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Third and last, Peter then exhorts us to be 
a certain kind of people. He's conveying a message to us. What does the coming of Jesus mean to you? What will the world look like? And he says, well, let me tell you how this pertains to you. Let me tell you that Jesus' coming should lead you to living a certain style of life. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Look, God is going to establish a new heaven and the new earth. Why? Again, to preserve his glory, to prepare for himself a place where righteousness may dwell forever and ever. And then that reality leads us to Peter exhorting his audience to be a certain kind of people. And he says, we are to live holy lives. He says, we are to live godly lives. And he again ties in this image of the bridegroom when he will come like a thief in the night. Again, quickly transitions to that we are to be spotless and we are to be blameless. If I convey, if I put all the messages that Jesus has conveyed concerning the end of the world, when he calls us, when he calls us that we are his bride, that he's the bridegroom, and we see Peter alluding to the similar image here, he's saying we are to be spotless and blameless. Immediately, my mind shifts to the image of the wedding when Jesus says, I'm going to come for you and you should be ready because you don't know when I will return. When I come, it should be your desire. It should be your goal that we are found blameless. We are found spotless on the day of the Lord. Amen. You know, years ago, I learned why every wedding dress was white. No matter who the bride is, no matter the age of the bride, no matter what fashion sense the bride had, or no matter what the fashion trends are during that particular season and age, always the color of the dress of the bride is always white. And I learned that it's a long tradition where the color white represented purity and virtue, symbolizing both a woman's chastity and a transition to, to a married life, meaning brand new. So it symbolized that bride, first of all, signifies that I have preserved myself for all the years of my life so that I may be given up to my future groom. And it, it was very white also because what is to come has not taken place yet. The marriage life that is to be had was also a brand new journey. So the wedding dress, even now, I attended a wedding yesterday, a, a very white dress. And I love that imagery because that's so biblical. Biblical because when Jesus said, I'm going to return one day. I'm going to come back. I'm going to scoop you up. I'm going to blow the trumpet. I'm going to announce when I, when I descend upon the earth the second time, the trumpets will blow. There will be a loud procession of the coming of the bridegroom. And the angels will sing. The, the, the entire earth will be announced and we will rejoice. 
And I'm imagining our Lord Jesus Christ riding on a white horse says, I am here for Scott. I'm here for my bride. I'm here for Tavis. I'm here for Ivan. I'm here for David. At that time, I pray my desire and wish is that I will be found more spotless, that I would be found more blameless, I would be found, that you would be found together, that we would be found together in more likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says, live this way. Be of holy conduct and godliness. You see, while you and I wait for the bride to come, as we fall more and more in love with his return and his incumbent rule upon earth, as we adore him, as we fix our gaze upon him, you see, friends, we ought to become what we behold. Let me say that again. You and I, we ought to become what we lovingly behold. We call that process sanctification. As we await for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we would be more and more transformed in the likeness of our Lord. Church, when the world, particularly, when the non-believers of Jesus, when they look at us, did you know that they're supposed to get a sense that someone is coming? Did you know that? Did you know that it's your responsibility? It is my responsibility when our lives are examined by those that are not believers. They're able, they're, they, they should get the sense of, man, someone important is coming for them. Something great is about to happen because I see their lives committed to living a certain way. Yeah, in light of how you guys are treating each other, in light of how you are committed to living your life, pursuing holiness, desiring righteousness, serving one another, preparing as a bride for the bridegroom, oh yeah, I think somebody is coming. Revelations chapter 22, verses 12 and 13. This is what Apostle John says in his vision. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Dear friends, dear brothers and sisters of Rooftop Church, Jesus is coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back to bookend the history of mankind to put an end to the world that you and I know of today and to, to pronounce, to announce the beginning of the new world and the new reign that's to come that will last and echo throughout eternity. That day is coming. I'm going to bring today's sermon 
to closure. You know, today's message, it's not just information. It's not just concerning, hey, this is what, this, uh, Jesus will come back, come, come like a thief in the night. When he comes back, the world that we know of will be burnt up, and he will establish new heaven, new earth. When Jesus comes, that we will be found blameless, spotless, just like a, a, a bride wearing a white dress. It's not just a message of purification. It's not a, it's not a, a, a message that calling for repentance and transformation and change and effort. Yes, all of that, that ought to take place, but we can highlight that. Today, I want you guys to be aware that the day of the Lord is coming. And when you have a profound understanding, when that reality of the day of the Lord is made connected in your mind and your heart, the rest will just happen automatically. As we yield our hearts and lives onto the leading of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will do the work of transforming, purifying our hearts. Today, I want to ask you a question. Do you long for the day of the Lord? Do you long for the coming of the bridegroom? If, if someone were to ask you point blank, do you wish that Jesus comes back right now? What would you say? What will your answer be? Will you hesitate because you haven't made it yet? Will you hesitate because you haven't shined, uh, you haven't had your moment in your life yet? Will you hesitate because there are more pleasures to be experienced here on earth? There are more accomplishments that you're pursuing that were on the cusp of happening? Will you say, Jesus, not right now? Or will you say, Jesus, we've been waiting for you. This whole universe, the whole earth has been waiting for you. God, from glory to glory, as you're the Alpha and Omega, as you're beginning and the end, God, finally, God, come in our midst. Establish your kingdom here on earth. God, deliver me up. God, take me away. Sanctify me. Glorify me so that I may be even more presentable as I am found right now. And I pray that you and I are driven absolutely by the truth of the kingdom of God today. Today we declare ourselves as, yes, we are the bride of Christ. Yes, our bridegroom is coming it's not a matter of if. It's only a matter of when. And that time is drawing near and near, more near than ever before. And we are ready, Jesus. We are excited, God. May we be driven by the reality of God's kingdom. And may we live our lives May our lives be kingdom-driven. May everything that we do this year in year 2021, what is our motto this year? Kingdom-driven life. May every portion of our dedication, our hard work, be reflecting of the reality 
of the kingdom of God. Today we declare, God, you are my hope. Today we declare, God, you are my motivation. How do we prepare better for the coming of the kingdom of God? It's not simply a matter of doing more of what is good. It's not a matter of doing less of what is bad. It's coming into a relationship with the one who has promised us eternal life. It's coming into an intimate knowledge of the one who has loved us unconditionally. And we get absolutely excited about it. By, uh, excited about that. Amen, friends? What happens tomorrow affects the way we live today. And I shared this with you last time. What we know of tomorrow affects what we decide to do today. Jesus is coming back. His word is true, absolutely. May we heed the last words of Apostle, G- uh, Apostle Peter. May we live in the joyful anticipation of the coming of the King.